Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Hey, welcome this afternoon to A Free Solution. Thank you for giving me a chunk of your afternoon. Larry Sharp here on WYSL, W-E-N-Y slash E-N-I, my recording, The Patriot, and of course, W-A-C-K, Newark, New York. Reach out to me, 585 346 Man, there is so much to talk about today. Should I start with our amazing New York State of the State from yesterday? Should I talk about Trump and should I talk about the Capitol? Should I talk about cancel culture? I could go on. This should be a seven-hour show today, but I will not punish you. I'm going to start with something that may sound a bit crazy. And that is, as nutty as this sounds now, it's not new. This kind of stuff has happened before again and again and again. And I'm going to go back a hundred years. Stay with me for a second, guys. You know I'm going to go someplace cool eventually. Uh, Well, maybe not, but I probably will, at least. I probably will. I want to go back about a hundred years. And I want to go back to 1916, World War I. Yes, that's where I want to go. There was a saying that a German general came up with. His name was General von Falkenhayn. Yes, that's what his name was. And he said, we're going to fight this battle. And this is 1916, so two years into the war. And we're going to throw so much into it, we are going to bleed France white. And he thought, wow, I'm a great general. And the other generals went, yeah, you're the best. Let's do that. And that was the beginning of the Battle of Verdun. Hundreds of thousands of dead French, Germans, and British later. It was still World War I. Not just was France bled white, so was everybody else. That is the horrible war of attrition that everybody thought was great. We just got to keep fighting, keep doing that. Bleed it white. We'll, we'll, there's more of us than there are them. We can't give up. That'll work. How'd that go for the Germans? Not so well. That is actually what our governor in New York is saying to do. Monday, he came up with his amazing seven-point plan for the state of the state, not expressing how broken New York State is. He was like, well, you know, we're New Yorkers. And he gave a bunch of platitudes on how we're New York strong and such and all those types of things that he always says. And then he said the number one thing, seven points, number one point, defeat COVID, number one. That's the number one thing. And he said, to do that, we've got to make sure that we keep the pressure on. Because if we tire before they tire, then we lose. In fact, he said, we may have to close down economies again. Again. That's what he said. We have to close down economies again. I thought we had the vaccine. That's fine. So he wants to bleed New York white. This is Or bleed COVID white. I don't care. Let's stop bleeding. Has he not learned? Maybe I should send him a book uh, about World War I. Maybe he'll... Oh, he doesn't read. So scratch that. But maybe learn something. 
doesn't. No. So we're doing it all over again. His number two was to vaccinate 70 to 90% of New Yorkers. Love it. Awesome. So let's go vaccinate. Yet that entire vaccination plan has collapsed. It was broken. And I know. I told you so. I was the one who said, why aren't we just using the CVSs? And let me just be clear on this. I talk about a free solution. I'm going to give you a free solution right now. All of the pharmacies in the CVSs and Walgreens and local, they have records. Of course they do. We don't have to give out the specific numbers. Just give out the uh, the overall numbers of how many people come in and get vaccines or uh, have prescriptions for, uh, for problem situations, things like that. How many are older? How many are not? You have the data. How many come in? Well, now we know. We get some actuaries. Literally in one day, they could figure out how many vaccines we need in every single area of New York State. By percentage, obviously. Then take that percentage, deliver it directly to those pharmacies, let everyone know, here are the pharmacies in the list. If there's a pharmacy near you, go get it. If you are 75 years or older, period, go. There was no need for the details of this worker, that worker. 75 years or older, go. You have a driver's license. You have an ID. You have a passport. Show how old you are. You're 75 years or older. Get the vaccine if you want it. Done. You vaccinated. Done. Done. As soon as it slows down, well, we notice 75-year-olds are stopped. 65. 55. 45, 35, 25, until it's done. But Larry, what if we don't have enough vaccines? No worries. Once they run out, we now resupply. And we'll know what was real versus what was real. And we adjust with the second wave. Not rocket science. Not rocket science. If you really were, were, were incompetent, you can deal with this that fast. But Larry, there are people who are stuck in nursing homes who can't go there. I know, but those people still get shots of vaccinated. How? The people in the nursing home, they go to the pharmacy and get the, the, uh, the vaccines and give it to them. Same thing. Copy the same thing you're using. Cost taxpayers nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing. Do you know how happy these pharmacists will be to have tons of people coming into their stores? Because when you go to your CVS or Walgreens or wherever you go to your Rite Aid and you get your vaccine, you buy a candy bar or you buy a pack of smokes or whatever is your thing. You buy something. So they're happy to have you come in. Instead, so much taxpayer money that we don't have. Because the third piece in his seven, seven points is short-term economic crisis. How do we deal with that? Not by spending tons of money on a failed vaccine. Not by closing our economy again. He lies to us and says it's a $15 billion deficit. It's probably more like a $50 billion deficit. So he's lying, but what else is new? He'll say he'll do loans and change it. He has no answer for that. But then his fourth one, which is the same as the third one, which is the second one, which is the same as the first one. So it really isn't seven. It's more like three. Just trying to sound cool. He doesn't. The fourth one is invest in the future. And his words, we must reopen the economy. He's saying that? Or there'll be nothing left to open. Like it wasn't his choice. Like it was random. The economy just shut down for nothing. You shut it down, homeboy. It was you who shut it down. 
We don't have to reopen anything. You can just open it. It's pretty simple. Just you, you start it, you could stop it. If there's nothing left to open, all that destruction was caused by you. By you. Not by COVID. By you. You were the one who shoved those people into the nursing homes. You were the one who screwed up the vaccinations. You were the one who shut everything down. You're the one who still wants to shut down schools, even though everyone, everyone understands schools are literally, and I mean literally, the safest place for kids. Safest. And you shut them down. You're the one who said 75% of all the new cases come from home. So keep your kids at home. That's you. Five is awesome. Five. Green energy. Because what else is more important now than green energy? We've got no economy, bad vaccination schedule. We have no money. So let's invest in green energy because that's the right answer. Where's that money coming from? Man, he's got a checkbook. I don't know where that money's coming from, but somehow it's working. Six, understand the long-term COVID effects. I told you what they were a year ago. So would everybody if you would have paid attention. All those long-term effects, it's not of COVID. It's of your horrible leadership. Why don't we understand the effects of your terrible leadership? If you were to actually do that, people might start to respect you again. They might. I mean, they might not. But they might if you actually said, you know what? Wow, I've been a terrible governor. Let me try to figure out how bad I've been and be better. You might get some people to respect you again. It could happen. Why don't we give it a shot? I'm in. I'd like that tremendously. So that's six. And then seven is repair systematic injustice that came up now. You've been governor for 10 years. If there's systematic injustice, how did you miss it for 10 years? Didn't you encourage it? Or weren't you blind to it? If it's a system, it's your system. If it's not just, you're not just. Seven points of garbage from His Majesty King Andrew Cuomo II. Oh, Hillary King. Oh, my God. We got tons more. I just wanted to cover that because I just couldn't let that go. Larry Sharp, host of The Sharp Way, 585-346-3000. Back after the break. A free solution. Why doesn't the government do something? That's what I'd like to know. What can they do? They're only people just like us. People my foot. They're Democrats. Yes, I I definitely understand that. Um, Democrats are people. That's true, but, man, it can be tough. Uh, Look, I love you Democrats, too. Don't be mad. I know some of you are listening. I'm not mad at you Democrats. I love you Democrats, too. I love everybody who wants to become what I am, which is a libertarian, and I wear it on my sleeve proudly. Larry Sharp here, the libertarian. Yes, that's me, host of the Sharp Way Show here on a free solution. W-Y-S-L, W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, the Patriot, and W-A-C-K in Newark, New York. That's the cool Newark, not the one in New Jersey. 585-346-3000. I want to grab a call. I guess uh, this, my first segment spurred someone to come yap at me, and I appreciate it. 
Craig from Clinton, how are you? Good. How are you, Larry? What's going on, brother? Uh, well, I'm calling because I heard the good news that the governor wants to open up. Um, uh, with the, yeah, with the cases being the highest that they've been since we began. And so I was wondering what you thought of that. Did he finally realize that lockdowns don't work? Is he actually going to open us up, or is it just more nonsense? Uh, what's he doing? I think he's actually feeling the pressure. For those of you who don't know, there have been several lawsuits against him saying that he can't close us down, and he's losing them. I think he's lost four already, if not mistaken. Either three or four, he's lost them already. One was a gym. One was a Brooklyn uh, Catholics. One was a laser tag um, facility, and I think there was one more. So he's losing his, his court cases. So he's starting to realize that it's not working. But on top of that, he's also realizing that if he closes down forever, his tax base is going down. It's not like he actually cares. I mean, he doesn't. And it's like he won't just use his power again. He will. So if you saw his state of the state, he talked about how, oh, my God, we have to open up or there'll be nothing left. But his number one issue was defeating COVID, which means we may have to close down again. So I think it's talk to get people to stop punishing him or stop stop suing him. But I don't think it's going to change anything. That's my gut. He changes nothing. I think I think the same thing because phase four, he said, oh, yeah, we're going to do four phases. Fourth phase will be open. Well, we've been in phase four for nine months now. <laughs> yes. We're, we're, we're what, about uh, two months away from the one-year anniversary of two weeks to us to flatten the curve to flatten the curve yeah so that's (laughs) That's why i was curious i said i don't think he's i think i thought the same thing i said he's just saying stuff but at the same time he is gonna have to pretend that he's giving us it back right because if they take it from him in the courts then the illusion's gone so now he has to be the benevolent ruler and say see i gave it back to you see isn't that nice i didn't lose it and i think that's you're 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 exactly right if if another lawsuit or two pop up before he loses the lawsuit, what he'll do is he'll simply open that up. He'll open up whoever's suing him so that he doesn't actually lose the lawsuit because then the court will throw it out and say, well, it's moot. He, he stopped it, right? And that's the way he talked about the Supreme Court hammering him on, his, on him shutting down religious organizations and religious um, uh, communities. The Supreme Court said, you can't do that. And he said, well, it doesn't really matter. It's moot. I stopped anyway. It's fine. So I think you're totally correct. This is how he acts like it didn't matter anyway. He didn't really lose. And he is a generous God. I mean, I think that's what he (laughs) wants us to feel like. He is a generous God, right? When it comes to being the God King, I mean, he does give us things. So we should be happy that he gives us things. And I think that's Never mind it wasn't. Never mind it wasn't his to take in the first place. (laughs) Absolutely. And all the pain we had, he's the guy, he's the perfect example of the guy who breaks your leg, then gives you a crutch and says, see how good I am? I gave you Aren't a you crutch. are you glad I did that? Yes, exactly right. It kind of reminds me, have you, have you ever heard that country song, A Boy Named Sue? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Larry, or, uh, Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp's one of my favorite people, but Johnny Cash is one of my second favorite people. <laughs> there we go. Well, Larry Sharp and Johnny Cash are both cool people, I agree. So, so yes. Well, actually, Johnny Cash passed away, didn't he? Yeah, that was that was sad because he was one of my favorite artists, and I never got to see him, but that was back in, like, 2013, I think. Yep, that's right. I remember he passed. But as you know, yeah. in The Boy Named Sue, in the, in the song, in the end, right, it's, yeah, I named you Sue because I knew it would make you tough. 
Yeah. See what a what a great dad I am. Well, I abandoned you. <laughs> I'm a great dad. Same thing. Yeah. Well, here. Johnny Cash bought it though, because then they all cried in their beer and they were all happy again. <laughs> so you know what? If we if we are as crazy as that sounds, and we vote in His Majesty again, then Johnny Cash was right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> then Johnny Cash That's funny. was right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I am concerned about the deficit more than anything because the problem is. If the federal government isn't prepared to write massive checks to New York State, and maybe they've made a deal, right? Maybe he's been a deal with, with Uncle Joe, and Uncle Joe's going to write us big checks for the next three, four years. If that's true, then we'll be okay for the next three, four years until we go through bankruptcy, like other states will in 2022, 2023, whatever the case may be. Then it's then we'll, we'll survive. We will continue to limp along as a broken state. But if that's not going to happen, if there aren't, big checks coming from the federal government, then he is just going to squeeze us more. He's going to squeeze us more with taxes. He's going to squeeze us more with fines and fees. He's going to squeeze us more with everything. And he's going to blame locals, what he always does. He he puts mandates on local people, doesn't tell them how to fund it, forcing the local people to raise taxes, then he blames them for being inefficient. That's been his MO for the past 10 years. And sadly, many New Yorkers are buying it. They keep buying it. They keep buying it. He puts you in a terrible position. Then you act terribly. Then he blames you. Yeah. Um, and, well, not everybody's buying it. The ones that aren't buying it are leaving. That's, yeah. And that's good and bad. You know, good for them, bad for us. Right? Because yeah. as they keep leaving, now there's no one to vote against them because now they're in Arizona or Texas or Florida. So they're not here. So they're not here to vote against them. So what do we do about it? Are these court cases the? Is, should we take a playbook or take you know a play from those? Uh, how do we how do we wake the people up that are buying it? You know what well, do we do about it? Well, here's what I'm saying. I'm doing this. I want more people to do exactly what we're doing. More and more conversations. I am finding people on the left and the right who are starting to realize this guy's not the right answer. We've got to make real change. It isn't just yell and scream, right? I mean, you can see how desperate we are. Look, you gave me the perfect segue into what happened in D.C. In the summer, the left was mad and they were protesting and rioting. And then the right, now now, now uh, in the winter, and the right's mad and they're protesting and rioting. Why? Because the government's not supporting anybody. It's not helping the left. It's not helping the right. All it's doing is making sure that we hate each other. I was, I was far too lenient at people thought when it came to protesters and rioters in the summer. Well, you know what? I'm just as lenient for the right protesting in D.C. I, I have empathy for both sides. People feel like government's not supporting them because it isn't. People feel like government's not fair because it isn't. People feel the system's not fair because it isn't. And they keep voting for their guys and things don't get better and their guys lose power and they feel like they have no option and then they hit the streets. But the worst part is, the one common denominator is without the lockdowns, that doesn't happen. Without the lockdowns, you don't have all those people in the streets in the summer or all those people in the streets now in D.C. It doesn't happen if people have to go to work, if people are feeding their families, if people out there you know, moving their jobs and their businesses and their education forward. They're not doing this. Enough time! Am I wrong with this, Greg? No, uh, so maybe in that respect, it's uh, like a disruptor. 
you know, that the lockdown actually had everyone. Um, it sucks. It's horrible. I don't want it. But maybe it gave everyone a chance to sit and uh, actually take a closer look at everything. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. You, you've just brought up a, a bright side to the horrible lockdown. You know what? You know, maybe in the long run, we might look back at this. It's a, it's a valid point, Craig. We might look back at this, you know, 5, 10, 20 years from now and go, man, you know, that lockdown, while, while it sucked while we had it, it really made us rethink things. I mean, maybe it was in the long run the right answer because it, it, made, it woke some of us up, if that makes any sense, right? It was the, the thing that made us go, you know what? We need some change. We've got, we've got to stop picking the right people and changing our systems because there are absolutely are systematic flaws. They're all over the place, and it's obvious. But if no one there cares— There are features more than flaws, though. It's working just like it's supposed to, just not for you and me. <laughs> well done, Greg. Well, yes, there is a difference between features and flaws. It is working exactly how it's supposed to work, to keep the little guy down, to keep us divided, to break up the middle class— and to keep the elites doing just fine. Absolutely. Well done. Well, maybe we'll break it up. We get, we just got to keep trying. <laughs> That's it. We, we can't stop. I don't want to stop. I hope you won't. I hope the rest of us won't. And we'll see if people will make those, those next steps. Thanks for the call, Craig. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a nice day. All righty. Guys, Larry Sharp here. It's a free solution. I'm hosting the Sharp Way. Please head on over to YouTube or to uh, Twitter. And follow me on Facebook, The Sharp Way, 585-346-3000. Back after the break. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. Their hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a-plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations a free solution. Hey guys, it is Larry Sharp here, host of the Sharp Way Show, here on A Free Solution, W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, The Patriot, and W-A-C-K, Newark, New York, 585-346-3002 chat. Look, Craig spoke in the last segment and he kind of moved towards more of a national um, way of looking at things. I know I did kind of local New York 
the first half an hour, and I kind of want to move into the national scene, particularly the fallout from D.C. and the Capitol. Now, I, I talked in the beginning about World War I, 100 years ago, 1916, the German general von Falkenhayn. But I'm going to tell you about 1917 now. I'm going to look at the other side of the trenches. Not the Germans, but the French. 1917, there was a massive mutiny. Most people, unless you study World War I or have studied that history, don't know. It's a massive mutiny. Hundreds of thousands of French soldiers were like, I'm done. I'm not fighting this war anymore. When they got the order to go over the top, they were like, we ain't going. Some of them just packed up and went home. And when the officers came down saying, you're going, some of the officers were shot. It was bad. It was so bad that when the Germans heard about it, they didn't believe it. They thought, it can't be that bad. This is a trap. And the Germans never attacked. If the Germans had attacked in 1917, they probably could have walked their way right into Paris because the French army was so broken at that time. Total mutiny. Fighting back. Shots of officers. Terrible. So what was the response? The response from the French government was actually pretty smart. They brought in someone that everyone respected. It was some old general named General Patan. And he came in and the troops respected him. They got mad and scolded people. But of the hundreds of thousands of people who revolted, of the thousands of people who had done literally crimes in the, in the um, military code, only a couple hundred were actually charged and only a couple dozen were actually hanged. And those are the guys who literally came in with the idea to shoot and kill officers. Okay, I got that. Those guys were hanged. But that was it. Then they made actual change, fixed things, and as everybody knows, eventually won that war. Well done. Response from the French. Nicely done. What can we learn from that? What we learn is mass punishment doesn't work. Are you unhappy about the violence that happened in D.C. in the Capitol? I am. Most people are. But what I'm worried about is the response. This cancel culture, which is basically just zero tolerance policies that have now run amok, is not the right answer. It's a problem. If we just decide, that's it. I'm shutting everybody down. I'm throwing everybody off of social media. I'm firing everybody. I'm arresting everybody. They're all going to pay. That's not going to be helpful. Don't get me wrong. If there were people, and I, I do not know the details. I'm sure they will come up eventually. If there were people who went down there with the goal of harming people down there, then of course they should be punished. Absolutely. Without question. If you said, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to hurt some people, that's bad. You should be punished. Yes, no question. But if you were caught up in that and you stopped punishing everybody, and I know there's someone listening right now going, Larry, you're being too soft on these people. Larry, they were bad people. Look what they did. They desecrated our capital. Look at how bad they were. It's true. They were bad. But if you punish all of them, You only make things worse. I'm asking, what is going to actually work? Imagine if they put thousands of people in prison for this. You just made thousands of people hate you more. You just made thousands of people less happy, more hurt, more broken, 
their families more broken. They're not gonna they're not gonna learn everything and all of a sudden go, oh, I went to prison for 10 years, now I'm a Democrat. That's not how that works. That's not how that works, Democrats. Not how that works. Things will just get worse. And when I said the same thing in the summer, look, the guys who actually lit the fires, those guys should be punished. The guys who came there, the agitators, punish them. But you can't punish them all. It doesn't make sense. I say that now too. There's always agitators in every one of these uh, uh, um, protests that turn to riots. There's always agitators. There's always people who go down there with the with the goal to do harm and to hurt. Okay, punish those guys. But when you put people in desperate situations, they do desperate things. That's human nature. And that was 100 years ago in the French army. That was this summer. That was last week. There are some ringleaders. Okay, I got it. But let the rest go home. Let the rest go home. And more important, follow the French model in this case. Find someone they respect and make actual change. The biggest issue that we're not getting is that if we just do our knee-jerk punishment, which is what I see already, just punish, just punish the cops, fire the cops who were there, uh, arrest thousands of people who were there, put them all in jail, federal charges, and you know what? Put up a bigger gate, because that'll work. These are the same Democrats who said, Walls don't work on the southern border, but they'll wa- they'll slowly walk around work around the Capitol. That's they don't work in any case. I have an idea: make a better system, both for the southern border and a better system for the Capitol. How about making a better system instead of just building bigger walls and dividing us more, and even worse, keeping the people who are supposed to be representing us even further away from the people they're supposed to be servicing. You know what I said, supposed to be, because they're not. But they're supposed to be. And now we're going to put them even further away. Cancel culture has run amok. And I know, I get that it feels good. Get those guys! I know it feels good. But it's bad. When those young people were killed in the summer, and people were saying things like, well, they deserved it, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, I said no. Some of those kids who got killed made mistakes, but they didn't deserve it. Some of those kids, some of the people who, who, who fired those rounds, they did what they thought was right. Doesn't mean the person on the other end of that bullet deserved it. The whole thing was bad. We shouldn't be locked down. We shouldn't be unhappy. Government shouldn't have this much control. There shouldn't have even had to be protests and riots in the summer. And the people, the, the, the woman, Ashley, Ashley, right? I think that's her name, right? I hope I'm saying it right. Ashley, who was killed last week, she didn't deserve it either. Now, I don't know if the, if the shot was a justified shot. Again, we'll find out. But whether it was justified or not, whether that officer felt threatened or not, whether he was doing his job or not, she did not deserve to be killed either way. She made a mistake. Wrong place, wrong time, and now she's dead. And now her family suffers. Now her family. And the worst part is she did four tours or three tours overseas. Her family was really scared she wasn't going to come back. And then she came back and like, okay, she's back. Great. Life is good. And now she's gone. Violence begets violence. At one point, someone's got to stop. Gandhi said it best. An eye for an eye 
and we all go blind. I don't want us to go blind. I want us to try to start talking again. And you know, Craig was talking about, what do we do now? The violence doesn't work, right? We had all those, we had all those uh, protests in the summer. Did it make the left look better? No, it resulted in violence. They looked worse. Whatever they were trying to achieve, it didn't work. And then the right protesting turned to, to violence. Do they look better? No, they look worse. Anything that they were trying to achieve didn't work. And of course, what was the answer for the left in the summer? We'll protest more. And what's the answer for the right now? We'll protest more. They're both the wrong answer too. Mass punishment is the wrong answer. Cancel culture is the wrong answer. But more violence is also the wrong answer. It is so simple. The actual answer is more and more conversation, which means more and more respect. So I can hear you. So I can hear you. The biggest reason why people are actually protesting and fighting isn't actually because they are physically bothered by this. It's because they're emotionally bothered by this. Because they feel powerless, like they're losing control or power, or they're losing their culture, or they're disrespected, or people don't care about them. That's the number one reason. Obviously, there are others, but those are the number one reasons why people were out during the summer and why those people went down to D.C. in the Capitol. And if there are more, there will be more. Well, Larry, how do you know this? Because I predicted this last year. I spent six weeks, give or take, crossing New York State. And in every single county, I touched every county, all 62, I said the same thing. If we don't do this right, after this election, there will be sporadic violence, no matter who wins. The loser will resort to sporadic violence. And guess what? That's what happened. And sadly, we're not done. But is there an answer? Of course I will tell you. It's a free solution. I'm Larry Sharp here. 585-346-3000. Back after the break. A free solution. Hey, everybody. Larry Sharp here. Thank you for giving me a part of your afternoon. I'm host of the Sharpway Show. Why don't you head over to uh, Facebook or head over to Instagram, whatever's your cool thing, and follow me on The Sharp Way. YouTube would be cool. That'd be nice. I'd appreciate that. Here on W-Y-S-L-W-E-N-Y-E-N-I, Elmira Corning, The Patriot, and W-A-C-K, Newark, New York, 585-346-3000. I ended the last segment talking about the future from the D.C., slash the capital, the problem that we had last week. And I've been talking a lot about World War One. It's been World War One day, I know, over 100 years ago. But I say that because humans are humans. And 100 years ago, we had problems and we still have problems now and we act the same. I did 1916, 1917, now the war ended in 1918. But in 1919, they had the Treaty of Versailles and that was a treaty that ended World War I. And the people who weren't really involved in the treaty's discussions were actually the Germans. There were very few Germans actually involved in the treaty. Everyone else jumped in, decided how they would beat up Germany, 
how Germany would pay them tons of money because it was all Germany's fault. All Germany's fault. Germany's going to pay for everything. Nobody else's fault because they lost. Loser gets, gets punished. And they punished Germany horribly. And when they did it, it felt good. See? Teaching these Germans from starting World War I, that'll teach them. See, they'll never start another war again. Yeah, how'd that work? The punishment, the harshness, the disrespect of a fellow European power after World War I is directly what caused World War II. Not even close. Directly. Any historian will tell you that. You can just do a cursory you know, Google search. You'll figure that one out. And what happened in Germany once they did that? All of a sudden, Germany says, wait a minute. We're Germans. We didn't lose on the battlefield. What happened? We must have been backstabbed. Somebody must have cheated us. We, there must be traitors in our mists. I've got to blame the other. Sound familiar? Sound like right now today? As we start doing that and trying to crush the other and punishing them, they are our fellow Americans. And as we are so mean and nasty and attack, what do they do in response? We must have been backstabbed. They are traitors. We've been cheated. It's unfair. And they blame the other. Now, what if it's true? What if the claims of being backstabbed and cheated and the other are true? Well, we're not going to hear them now because these are the defeated. These are the people that we push down. So if there actually is a problem, we're not going to find out. Well, there is no problem. But they just made it up because they're angry. Well, then there can be no remedy, can there? Except violence. Either way, we're screwed, which is why you have to have the conversations and talk. Because if it's real, we can't fix it. And if it's not, there's no remedy because it doesn't exist, which means the only answer is violence either way. We are pushing ourselves towards more sporadic violence. And you know what happened in Germany after the Treaty of Versailles in the 1920s? Economic crash. Huh. What do we know about that? And violence in the streets. And violence in the streets. The two biggest groups who were trying to fight in Germany were fascists and communists. Those are the people. One was a cult of personality and the other were communists. Sound familiar? We are literally repeating history. Well, history doesn't repeat. It rhymes. And it's rhyming right now. And I'm asking us to realize this and to try our best to make a change. Not to be so vindictive, not to be so angry, not to be so mad at each other. I'm not saying to give up what you believe. I want to say it again. I'm not saying to not stand up for what you feel is right. I'm saying you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be nasty about it. You don't have to be aggressive about it. Not required. People often confuse strength with being a jerk or weakness with being nice. Nope. I look at someone from about 70 years ago, give or take. Gandhi. Actually, more like 100 years ago now, too. Here we go. Maybe I'm, I'm doing the 100-year thing. Gandhi. Gandhi was tough as nails, strong as iron, and nice, and not violent. 
And when the British went to him and said, surely you don't think we're just going to leave, do you? He said, of course you will. Of course you will. At that time, there were about 500 million Indians. And he said, when 500 million Indians simply refuse to do what 10,000 British tell them to do, eventually you'll just pack up and leave. And he was right. Eventually, the British packed up and leave. It took him 20 years. It took Gandhi 20 years. It took Nelson Mandela 27 years. I've only been doing this for four, five. I got plenty left. But that's how you get a peaceful transition. That's how you actually make change without violence. You can do it. A reporter asked Gandhi, and this is doing World War II, not World War I, now we're talking World War II, said, how in the world can your non-violence work against someone like Hitler? No way. Can it work? And his response was, not without defeats. But when you fight your war, don't you have defeats too? I say that now. If you remember last week, I'd asked if you were a Trump supporter to accept that this battle was lost. But the war isn't over. You can fall back, regroup, and move again. People got mad at me and said, well, I'm glad you're not George Washington. You went around with George Washington, you know, was there. He just surrendered. And I said, well, I didn't say surrender. I said, retreat and regroup, withdraw. And that's what Washington did, literally. One of the first battles was here in New York, the Battle of Brooklyn or the Battle of Long Island. He lost the battle. He retreated. He regrouped. And as we all know, eventually he won that war. Sometimes we have to accept that you may have to lose a battle to win a war. You don't have to try to die on every hill. Not every hill is required to take or every hill required to stay on no matter what. Fighting feels good. It looks good. It's not always the right answer. Let's try and win the war even if we lose a battle. And the kind of war I'm fighting is a nonviolent war. I'm fighting the Gandhi war. That's what I'm fighting. I'm fighting the Gandhi war. And maybe you don't want to fight my war. Okay, maybe you don't. But I think my war is just as valuable, just as important as any other battle we ever fight in this country. Because we're not going to be able to move our nation forward if we can't trust each other. And I'll say this again. You can be mad at me and say, Larry, you're wrong on this. Or Larry, you shouldn't have said that. Of course. But we can talk that out. But if you don't trust me, then we're done. You're not going to hear me. And many of you were upset in the summer. Many in your right were upset with me in the summer. And now many in the left are upset with me now. But it doesn't matter. I'm a libertarian. I'm looking for the future. I want left and right to coexist. And they can if they just don't push themselves and others. And it's the best part. We're all not just left and right. We are every spectrum of that, depending upon the issue or the idea. And we don't have to pick a team and stay on that team. We can bounce back and forth and be each other. You know what I'm going to say. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I'm never going to stop saying that. Because happy people don't protest. Happy people don't riot. Happy people go be happy. Larry Sharp here. A free solution. Host of the Sharpway Show. Please follow me on all the things. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whatever you got. It was great having this afternoon with you. I will see you all 
in a couple days.